On this episode of Jaded Rasslin', we try to figure out who didn't use cocaine at Survivor Series 1990. Hold one! I'm dead! This is... Because I ain't got no quit in me at all. Hi, I'm Will. I'm Taylor. And like I mentioned in the intro, we're watching Survivor Series 1990 per Taylor's request. And you know, since it's November, we really screwed up not watching any Halloween Havocs last month, so we're not going to make that mistake twice. But before we dive in, let's do a little housekeeping. Just like last week, I want to take a moment to talk about a few things we have going on. The Discord server we've been talking about will be going public any day now. As soon as it does, we'll be posting about it like crazy. We're also getting closer to that announcement we mentioned last week, so like I said, stay tuned in for details about that. We also have another cool announcement. We're real close to Thanksgiving and we wanted to do something cool for that. So while getting ready for what we have in store for you on Thanksgiving day, we'll be releasing a special episode that me, Taylor, and another friend of ours did. And hopefully it turns into a regular thing. Hell yeah. How'd you feel about it, Taylor? I had a lot of fun, dude. I had a real lot of fun. Yeah, it was a great time. So, uh, like I said, it'll be releasing on Thanksgiving day and, uh, it's going to be a busy week. So with that, let's get into this classic event. Right off the bat, we have Gorilla Monsoon and Roddy Piper taking over commentary duties, and they're talking right before the show, and Roddy shows everyone his preferred method of doing cocaine. Also, man the drip. He did. He was dripping, boy. Wide open shirts, letting the breeze blow your hair. Looks like damn Fabio, dude. Well, he was scheduled to do Survivor Series, but he didn't have plans afterwards, so he was trying to get laid. Yeah, you that's know, fair. You gotta be he, ready to do anything. He took the blue pill or the red pill? Both. <laughs> Uh, so this Survivor Series, it was full of tag team matches. So just like we watched TNA Lockdown, where it was all Steel Cage, this is all tag team. I didn't hate it, though. I had a lot of fun with this. It gives you a chance to see every every star they have in the in the whole building. It was nice to see how they handled it. It was sometimes a lot for me. I wish they found a couple more ways to break it up. All in all, though, I was definitely surprised how much I did enjoy it. I'm really hit or miss with older wrestling, and this didn't really like scream at me, hey, something you need to watch. Honestly, though, can we talk about how we get a little bit of Vince in this, but not too much? Just enough to announce the beginning tag teams, and that's all? Dude, he didn't even sound like him. Like I was showing Gabby, and she was like, is that Vince? And I was like, it's Vince. Yep. You, there were certain nuances in mm -hmm. his voice where you're like, nope, that's definitely him. He drags words, for sure. Certain words. That was his special Tonight! <laughs> I love it. So first we had that weird promo, didn't we? What weird promo? The first promo with the the cocaine party. Yeah, there okay. was a cocaine party the entire time, baby. Well, I feel like the first one was the most evident cocaine party. Everybody was partaking, but Gene on camera at least. Who knows? Maybe Gene was doing it. He was he was a whole ass enigma. You'll see throughout the event. Do you feel like Von Eric was coked up too? Yeah, I don't feel like he was. I feel like he was straight as a dove, and everybody else was just like. Running into walls and screaming. Well, you know about the Von Erichs and all that, right? No. Drugs were involved in their life. That uh, stinks. F at least three of them, if not four, were connected to suicide. As how they died. Like, six brothers, 
Five of them died. At least three, if not four, suicide. What a rough, rough patch for them, I guess. Yeah, no, definitely. So here's what I have to say about this. Can I go wild? Yeah, hit me. Okay. So I felt like not only was this a cocaine party, but it was also a screaming contest. Because one after another, they get on the mics, and they're just trying to see how loud they can yell. Like, Animal gets on, he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Warrior comes on, and he's like, woo, I'm the ultimate warrior, and I'm going to blah, blah, blah. And then at one point, I feel like he realizes that he's screaming in Gene's ear, and he, like, starts whispering. Like, he's like, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to do crazy stuff to him. I'm going to beat him so bad. I'm gonna... <laughs> you know I feel like, like he was just trying to steal Macho's things, because <laughs> Macho definitely did that shit all the time. I've never, like seen anything like this like this much wildness and th- none of them can control their volume not well, one of them nobody could control all of the men in this we, pay-per-view i want to give gene a hug like the last few weeks i've watched gene masterfully handle stuff as a professional that most people wouldn't be able to handle last week i got to watch him take somebody took shots at his wife to his face and he had to just stand there and smile and this week he's surrounded by dudes that are unbelievably fucked up and he's just so professional all the time because mean jeans a real one and that the was real his job one. that's why everyone idolizes him you're right at the end of it he's like thank god this is over <laughs> so this match we see the warriors which consist of animal hawk the texas tornado the ultimate warrior take on the perfect team which is axe crush Mr. Perfect and Smash. What a is there a better team in history of four wrestlers than Animal Hawk, the Texas Tornado, and Ultimate Warrior? Definitely, but I don't put me on the spot. Like that's a lot of talent, though, is what I mean. Like every one of those guys are like pop icons. You know what I mean? So we've talked about it before, and you know how I always say like there's a lot better athletes in modern day wrestling. This was one of those pay-per-views where you got the two extremes because this match was full of great athletes where there's a couple people in this pay-per-view where I'm like, how did you get the job? Like, did they just need to fill a spot or, and that's not the case here. This was a perfect match to start the show. Mm-hmm. And like the way that they played it out and rolled it through, I was guessing through the whole match. Like, you know what I mean? You get a lot of the Laurinaitis is, is it one Laurinaitis? I think so, yeah. You get a lot of a lot of the Laurinaitis man. He's doing his thing. They're doing their double tag team clotheslines. You know what I mean? Like, just having fun. And that's what I love about them. Like, they just have so much fun together. It's like watching the Bash Brothers in Mighty Ducks 2. Yeah, no. Uh, what I couldn't get over, though, is the gimp mask they were wearing in the promo pictures. That really threw me off. I was like, what are we about to watch? <laughs> I thought... This was wrestling. I know there were some weird gimmicks with some gimp shit, but not in 1990. Was that the weird, what do they call it again? Axe, Smash, and Crash. Crash. Yeah, those boys. So what, what I did learn is that they had that record. They held a record for the longest hold of a ta- tag team championship belt until 2010. New Day took it away from them. So they had that record for a long-ass time, <laughs> almost 20 years. And would you look at the New Day now, the Raw Tag Team Champions? Yep. Still holding titles, baby. They probably, I feel like they've set a couple different records as a tag team. They went down a couple times and stopped the reign, though. This is one consecutive reign without dropping it, is what what I mean. Well, they've held the titles for a hot-ass minute consecutively. Yeah. Also, this match showed me that I'm a Mr. Perfect guy, though. 
He's the man, dude. I told you. He's the fucking man. We watched that Survivor Series showdown 1992, though, as well. And, man, I just want his mullet. Dude, to be honest, though, he's in the best shape of almost anybody in WWE right now. Like, in this pay-per-view, he's in incredible shape. And he's just so flawless in the ring. Like, you can tell that guy loved what he was doing. Mm -hmm. And he wanted to be the best because he should have been in the main event. Yeah, that's what I'm you're probably say. right. You're probably right. But his gimmick didn't allow for it, so I'll take it. And, of course, Hulk had to go over. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about that, though. Let the man have his just desserts. I know you don't like him, but definitely give him what he deserves for this because he Hulk did his thing in this one. He did. There wasn't a lot of horseshit Hulk in this. There wasn't the main event. Uh, there, okay, you're right. But for the most part, it was a lot of stuff that you want to see. And he was so over, dude. So incredibly over. I bet you that at this point, he is probably the most over anyone's ever been at in this part of wrestling. Oh, no, it, without question. But when you look back at it, knowing him, it's really hard for me to look in at those lens. I look at the overall career and seeing what he was doing even back then. But do you see the talent that he has? He had talent, but it does. Especially on a mic. The thing is, with him in this era, is he's playing to not only like marking out adults like us. He's playing the kids, and he's he's winning kids over. It was a damn good promo with a lot of quotable lines in it. He was the family-friendly total package. That's what he was. But the rest of those dudes were so zonked, dude. I don't think you could market them as family-friendly. I'm not saying you could. I mean, so back Even the Ultimate Warrior, dude, like, from the entrance to the ring, the whole fucking thing is just, like... Well, it's they, incredible. I've never seen anything like it. They didn't realize it back then, though. Do you know that they made a Marvel made a superhero that was cocaine a cocaine superhero based off of him? I believe that. 100%. His name is Snowflame. <laughs> he literally is fucked up. He's he prays to the gods of cocaine in the comic book. Oh, okay. It's nuts, and he literally has like like a mask that looks like Ultimate Warrior's face painted. Ah. Uh. Man, that's absolutely crazy. Legion of Doom and Demolition get disqualified in this match, though. And that was one of many different things you see in the tag team matches. Though I wish there was a way to break them up more. It was cool that each tag team match had their own little quirks. And this was the first one of them. And I think because there's so many tag teams, this is the way that you get a focus on single dudes. By taking out both... The fucking, both the boys, and then you take out the weird dominatrix brothers, too, at the same time. Yeah, no, and so it wasn't, you had to get through everyone every time. You end up, most of the time, getting a singles match, which, in this one, it was Perfect and Warrior, and Perfect gets yeeted onto the ref by Warrior at one point, which got me cracking up. There was a a couple moments in this, uh, this one where I was just, like, shocked at the ability of the wrestlers to control a crowd. Like, there's still that right now. But because of how people are in today's world, it's a lot different to see someone do crowd work now than someone do crowd work back then. Because the crowd work of Ultimate Warrior is amazing. Like he's sitting on the sideline, jumping up and down, doing the things he does to move the crowd, and it's nuts. He had them in the palm of his hand, and I don't even think he realized how much control he had because he didn't have control of himself. Yeah, that's fair. That's a fair assessment. I've honestly... It just blows my mind how fucked up you can be. Watching a pay-per-view like this, though, makes me kind of understand why they tried to get the Superman punch over with Roman because 
There's a lot of big finishes in this pay-per-view where the moves are really simple and boring, like the splash from Warrior. But I find those, I found that fun, dude. It was I, fun. I, like you have to understand that even if you're watching like a classic football game, you're gonna see some stuff that wouldn't make sense today. Oh no, and, and I, like that's why it's so great. Like when you look at Babe Ruth, hitters don't hit the same way they used to hit. He was out there with a fucking piece of wood. You know what I mean? And it's not the same. Well, and I'm not saying that like I don't think it's cool. I'm just saying like it makes me understand they were trying to go back to those that old style of booking. And in the case of Roman, it didn't work because as a modern fan, we expect we want something cool to put someone down for the right. Game. You know, it needs to look like it actually makes an impact. But there were some finishes in this that were like really interestingly written finishes. Like, it's not all just Superman punches and fucking atomic drops. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, no, definitely. Warrior takes a bump and wins off a pin from a splash after making a comeback in this Does he match. take a bump or does he take a bump? That's what I'm saying. He takes a <laughs> okay, bump. Okay, I just wanted to be clear on whether we're taking a wrestling bump or we're taking a bump bump. Well, because you had him going down in this match and he was not he was not in it. And, you know, and then all of a sudden he, the camera pans off and then he gets all the way mm-hmm. up. And he just starts going to work for that 30 seconds he's got, and he wins. Oh, man, I would have been exhausted from the run to the from the locker room to the ring. Imagine trying to keep that much energy up for 15, 20 minutes. He couldn't, and that's what we saw in this match. <laughs> there was definitely the decline. But it didn't matter if he was on cocaine or not. It's not a human trait to be able to run literally for 20 minutes straight from ring to from background to ring and then just all the time bouncing. It's not a human trait. No one has that much energy. No, yeah, you make a fair point. Uh, so let's talk about the million-dollar team promo. Okay. Here's where you can finally get to see what I've been talking about. I've been talking up Ted DiBiase for weeks, and I didn't get to see him as an old man, so maybe that ruined you on him. He is a master on the mic. His gimmick is great, but the problem with his gimmick is it did not age well. I almost hate watching wrestling from back then because you watch it and you're like, wow, that leaves a bad taste in my mouth. How do you like TNA? What do you mean? How do you like TNA? All their gimmicks are bad. Like, how do you look at this? No, not like... And like this pay-per-view and not like it and like TNA. And he's good in ring, too. He is, but he also... he Him, just like Goldberg and so many other people, you can tell that he can't go super long. He's a big wrestle kind of guy. Yeah. Because he got gassed like 30 seconds into his match. Every time he got in the ring, he had like a 30 <laughs> to 45 second window of like, he looked good. And then after that, you could tell he was just like, all right, cool. I need to get someone else in here. I don't know, man. I saw I saw real charisma on a microphone. And you can be a great promo. And I'm not saying he wasn't a great promo by any means. There's just elements of his gimmick that don't sit right with me. When I think of how many gimmicks were like up the same alley that went the wrong way, especially the time period, it just makes me... I think I'm just overcritical of this. Yeah, I hear you. Because you do have so many gimmicks from back then that did not age well. Even newer gimmicks. I think that he's a master at a heel. A heel master. No, yeah, he's great at getting heat. But he's not... He doesn't have half the heat that a couple of the people in this pay-per-view do. Well, for good reason. Yeah. (laughs) But it's the same thing with him. I think, you know, you go back and you look at that promo... And those gimmicks, and you're like, oh, man, maybe this wasn't... But to be honest, though, if you're talking about cheesy gimmicks, his tag team partners were the worst. Oh, they were total cornballs. I love Greg the Hammer Valentine. 
Yeah. I love him. I don't like he's not he's not a top guy. He's a guy that goes to work every day, gets punched in the face, and goes home. And I love it. I love it. Now the honky tonk man on the other hand, no thanks. They're just like twins though. No. This is the difference. It's one like, is a shitty Elvis impersonator. The other one is your sixth grade gym teacher. Dude, it was like the Miz and the Miz Dow. Man. That's what it reminded me of. You you just I just I just love Greg Valentine. I can't let you do that to him. There's only really two things I want to talk about in this match though. Undertaker's debut. And then Dusty being a goddamn legend. But there's so much good shit in this, dude. Like, the way that they wrote this match is masterful. This was the best match on the card. And it's it's masterful writing to introduce Undertaker, let him have his whole thing with Brother Love, let him come out. That's fine. It's fine. Everything's fine. He comes in, he does Undertaker shit, and then... He gets fucking disqualified, so you don't got to deal with him anymore. I know, because of Bruce Pritchard's redheaded bitch ass. But it's good. It's a good thing. Because it sets you up for how you want. You want the match to end with your two prime guys on both teams. And I know that Dusty Rhodes gets put out too, and he should have been the prime guy. But that's what I mean when I was guess- guessing this whole pay-per-view. Like, the in thought, you got two team leaders. Those two team leaders are probably going to be at the end of the match, Correct. You would think. You would think. Undertaker debuts. Maybe he'll be at the end of the match, right? You would think. No. So they get Dusty Rhodes out of there, Undertaker out of there, and just leave the million-dollar man and Bret Hart. And Bret Hart, man. He he was... He absolutely went He ran the match. Talk about Ted DiBiase being bad because Bret Hart carried him. Well, that's what I'm saying is... The only reason why he did look so good is because Bret Hart gave him those windows. You could tell that Bret Hart knew exactly what he did. We watched this promo of Bret Hart recently, and like his thing is he just wanted to be the best at what he does. He's a good damn wrestler. He's not the biggest. He's not the strongest. He's, he's the best wrestler. And by being the best wrestler, you end up making other people look their best selves in mm-hmm. the ring. Mm-hmm. And that's why... No matter how hit or miss I am with Bret Hart, I will always have undeniable respect for that man and what he did and how good of a wrestler he was. But I've never seen... This is a fun finish to see someone do a finishing mood and roll over with too much speed because he comes off the side rope and rolls with too much speed and gets pinned for it. Yeah, that was that was a really creative finish. That's what I mean. Like, There's some creative shit in this that you don't see a whole lot. No, and that's... It was a nice change of pace, but the thing is, is you don't see those tricks being used as much anymore. Like I've, it's how rare do you see a pin like that? You don't ever, and that's why it was a surprise to me because, in all theory, Ted's getting his ass beat for that whole back half of the match. Once him and Brett are in it alone, Brett's working him. And that's what I was saying is, you know, he had thirty seconds of momentum as soon as he got tagged in, and then as soon as he starts going. He just runs out of gas, and then he starts looking like a bloated piece of shit in there. And it sucks because I I want to like Ted DiBiase because of how great he is on a mic. But with some of those questionable things that you're... Me just being over-analytical, but oh well. My fear of him not being able to run a 30-minute match, I just don't know. Like Obviously, I should go back and watch more Ted DiBiase stuff. And who's to say I won't? I just, from walking in... Knowing Ted DiBiase, but not watching a bunch of his back catalog, those 
I'm almost looking at it like a, with a pair of fresh eyes. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's... I don't know, man. I think it's a fun gimmick. I do. I find it to be fun, and I, I, I think he works the gimmick to the most to get the heat out of it. He takes it like a towel, and he wrings every drop of heat out of that towel. And he really does, and he gets sympathy, but not like Bret Hart. Bret Hart, you want him to win mm-hmm. because he's just so good. Or Bret does not win, though. Because DiBiase gets that weird slip with too much momentum. And you just see after the pin, Brett audibly go, fuck. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> it was it was so funny. So after this, we get a promo from the Vipers. Not the Tampa Bay Vipers. R.I.P. You get, it, you get it in the shower, though. Like, they couldn't do this promo anywhere but the shower. There's nowhere else. Dude, they were filming all these promos at one time. The other rooms were booked. And he's like, dude, I'll just I'll just take the showers. It's cool. He comes in and makes like an immediate joke about Jake the Snake and his snake. And it's like right away, as soon as he walks in the shower, he's like, must be a pretty comfortable environment for Damien in here, all nice and wet, huh? And Jake's just like... You know it's because he I had guess. it on his mind. And Jake's like, I guess, I mean, I think, I don't know. <laughs> you come in for my snake, bro? This is not the way you want to run it. Not the way at all. The Vipers versus the Visionaries next. And uh, first and foremost, Warlord is a whole ass unit. We'll talk about this in the main event, though, because that's what pissed me off about Dude, that match. let me tell you about Warlord. So, I don't know anything about him. The first time I heard his name was two months ago. On my podcast I listened to, they were doing this segment of the thickest thighs in sports of men. And Warlord was on the list. I don't blame His you because... His thighs are so fucking big, dude. Do you, do you watch Futurama, right? You remember that episode where it's uh, the gender bender episode where Bender's in the robot boxing league and he goes up against that giant robot and he gets like his shit kicked in? Yeah. That's Warlord. That's funny as fuck. Even though Warlord was super impressive, in my opinion, Shawn Michaels stole this match from Gennady me. did some shit too. Give he Gennady did, but credit. he got like put out way too early but they look fun together like when they're in the rings like tagging each other and doing their moves together they're so crisp and pretty like so when i watch wrestling from this era and like earlier i'm more of a i watch select matches kind of guy and so i've seen a bunch of rocker stuff they were great and it's so fun seeing a young green Shawn michaels i mean he wasn't super green but it wasn't the Shawn michaels we're seeing in now yeah. Because, I mean, what, he wrestled, like, last year or some shit like that? So, to see him when he was, you know, one of those young guys and he didn't have as much pull, it's always a good time. Uh, Jake the Snake, on the other hand, definitely a little bit older than everyone else in this match. And Jake the Snake looks like the kind of guy you see buying Winston lights and some bush light at the local corner store, who's a carpenter by day, a wrestler on the weekends. I'm also pretty sure he's a fan of NASCAR. Here's the thing about Jake the Snake, though. This guy gave a a good show to a crowd every night. It didn't matter how tired he was. It didn't matter what fucking back aches and pains he had. It didn't matter if his knees were rickety. He is going out to that fucking ring, and he's going to deliver that snake to the crowd, and they're going to love that shit, and it doesn't fucking matter. And then when he's done... He's going to go back, and as he walks back to the locker room, he's going to smoke two cigarettes. Yeah, like as soon as he gets out of the ring, he's walking up the ramp, already got his first Winston light in his mouth. He gets into Gorilla, someone passes him an ice-cold bush light. He takes a sip. 
He lights another Winston light and continues his walk to you the know showers. What I find funny. Do you ever watch that movie Balls of Fury when you were a kid? Of course, I love that movie. Do you know movie. the Boggle guy? Uh huh. That's he's got to be modeled after Jake the Snake. He has the same haircut and mustache as Jake the Snake. It's like, hey man, you want to play Boggle? Him or maybe Robert Rude. Oh, he played the same character in Office Space. It was his neighbor. He's yes. like, hey, turn it to Channel Six. There's some movies on. That's my guy. <laughs> so, Jake, what I also want to know is how does Shawn Michaels find himself aligned with Jake the Snake and Marty Jannetty? Because you know Marty's just on, Marty Jannetty's just there for the ride. But how does this, how does this come about? I want to know. I also feel like Sean and Marty could have really been '80s rock stars. They were like, '80s rock stars. They have star. the hair. They look like they could have been like the rhythm guitarist of Journey. I feel more so that they were roadies for Kiss. That's fair. That was their day job. Love Gun, man. Love Gun. <laughs> That's Sean Michaels based his entire lifestyle on that song, Love Gun <laughs> by Kiss. Uh, watching Superfly makes me super uncomfortable. Why? I don't know. Something about him. He just looks like he's in constant pain when he wrestles. Like he threw out his back real early. And he's just like, I'm wrestling anyway. I really watched him and he didn't get a lot of wrestle time in this. For good reason. He looked weird. He looked super roided out. And I just, like I said, it, I'm uncomfortable watching well, You never it. know who has uncomfortable reactions to cocaine. So maybe he just had an uncomfortable reaction to it. Jake finds himself in a four-on-one situation. And I thought that Jake's team won for a second. I, I misread the match card. And I was like, yo, Jake's going to win. I was like, wait a minute. This seems real unrealistic. So I switched the card and I was like, nope. Jake's not going to win. <laughs> and uh, Jake did not. What was uh, the other guy's name? Is Pride and Glory? I think so, yeah. One of them was like super scary and jacked, and the other one was just a regular old dude. And <laughs> Hercules, I think, uh, he had a major... His thong was eating his ass out mm -hmm. for him. Mm -hmm. Which was that the big one or the small one? The balding one or the one with hair? He was the one... He had hair and he had the really weird tan. He was like pale okay, as shit on the, the legs. That's the regular guy. Uh, the other guy was a fucking behemoth. He, they had Warlord and this other guy. And those two guys looked like they could have definitely been extras in the Gladiator movie. And that's why all four men won. But the Vipers actually lost by a 10 count because Jake the Snake got caught up chasing Rick Martell with the snake after he pulled it out and let it a bit Warlord, right? Yep, a bit Warlord. And he got, you know, the 10 count, but... It, you know, he picks his battles. He, he's going to live to fight another day and drink another bush. Mm -hmm. Dude, you got to love it, though. There's nothing that's more lovable than a fucking everyday man. Even though I really liked this match and I really liked the finish and everything, I was thinking I would rebook this match a little bit different. Tell me how. I would let the younger guys get a lot more offense in, right? And go blow for blow. And come to where this was like the longest match of the night, you know? Because you had so much raw talent in Marty Jannetty and Shawn Michaels. And so having them like, you know, get Snook out first. Don't let Jannetty go out first. And you have, you know, Marty almost fighting an uphill battle. And he's trying to get Shawn in and, you know, rely off their chemistry a little bit more. I still don't think that they were sold on them being singles guys yet. Well, not singles so, guys, but and like... What we, like you said, we watched 92 the other day and they were finally starting to get their split out singles mm -hmm. pushes. I think what bothered me about this pay-per-view, and I'll go into, it was like, it's two things, and I'll go into one in a second because I have another idea. Uh, but they had all of these tag teams that were really 
they had tag teams that were established within the four-man tag team. And you didn't get to see too much tag team wrestling. Like, there was one or two teams that had a really nice spot. I felt like everyone, they gave them, though, a chance. Like, with, like, Hawk and Animal. That's their name's right. Yeah. I'm fucking this up. Okay, Hawk and Animal. They did their fucking usual shit. Yeah. And And so did Janetti and Sean. But when it was Janetti and Sean, it was like they were by themselves. And I feel like it was just like, hey, you get your two minutes. Hey, you get your two minutes. And we're just rotating people out just so everyone gets a moment to shine. And it's right. like, we have too many people and we don't know what to do with them. What I, felt, I also still think this was an early blueprint of the Survivor Series. So this is only number four. Oh, yeah. And they you were trying to mean? figure it out. And obviously, the pay-per-view format has changed significantly. But even now, I'm always hit or miss with Survivor Series. Survivor Series is my least favorite out of the big four. But also, I would rebook this event a little bit slightly, too. I would keep all the tag team matches. I liked the concept of, you know, trying whoever wins, you know, goes to the main event. But you also book yourself into a corner because you don't want eight people on one side and two people on another. Well, they did that on purpose. And I know that you're going to hate that because it's to be to put Hulk and Ultimate Warrior on one side together. I knew that. And that's why Tino Santana got eliminated in like 20 seconds. And he's fucking amazing. Yeah, he didn't deserve to get done like that, but he wasn't meant to be the star of the show. What I think they could have done, though, to at least break it up a little bit better is at least give each match or at least two or three of the matches a cool stipulation. Like maybe make one of them like a tornado tag match where everyone's in at once, you know, just something to keep me going because I was like, oh, cool. Another tag team match. I know we're only four matches in, but with how short this pay-per-view is, we're going to go ahead and take a break real quick. All right, now that we're back from break, wrestling happened this week, so you know we're going to talk about it. Taylor, you got anything to start me off? I hell as fuck do. What? Okay. Hell as fuck do. TNA, 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 turning point. Can we talk about it? We We can. What is your favorite match on the card? Well, no. Let's talk about something else first. I'm going to correct both of us. We keep calling it TNA, and it sucks because we watch so many of the TNA branded stuff. It's Impact, but it's TNA Impact. No, it's not. It's just Impact. Really? Yeah. It's Impact Wrestling. Okay, fuck them. It's TNA. Just okay. like we used to have this stadium in Indianapolis that's like a music venue, and it gets renamed every five years. Like it was Deer Creek, and then it was Verizon Wireless, and then it was Clips. Kind of like the like, 1-800-ASK area amphitheater that yeah. used to be the Ford Amphitheater. Right. They've done it four times. I call that motherfucker Deer Creek. This is TNA. So it went, the Ford Amphitheater went through like four or five names, and I always continued to call it the Ford Amphitheater until it changed to the 1 800 Ask Gary Amphitheater. Then I was like, okay, that's some change I can get behind, boys. <laughs> and now it's the 1 800 Ask Gary Amphitheater. Yeah, that's fair. See, I'm not doing that with TNA. It's I, TNA. It's Impact. Fine. It's Impact. It's TNA. So this pay per view, just like all Impact stuff or TNA stuff, is always my favorite dumpster fire to watch because it was a dumpster fire in all of the best. There ways. were some real bangers in this, though. I love how they don't even try to make the pay per views feel special from the TV tapings, though, because they use the exact same arena. They don't even change the colors of the arena or anything like that. I wonder why can't they at least put their personnel? Like, have they not seen any other wrestling? They're like, whoa, other people have, other promotions have people. Can we? Okay, just real quick. What's the most annoying person in TNA? Because I have a really, really f- far-out leader that really annoys me every week. 
I think for me, it's actually, I think it's Scott Demore is the president of TNA or whatever. The, the president of Impact. His promos are kind of ratchet. See, I have a real issue with Tanel Dashwood. She's doing her job way too well. Like, she is so fucking annoying, dude. But I think it's not because she's meaning to be annoying. I think she just is really annoying. It's the gimmick. She it's was, a really annoying She gimmick. was not great in WWE either. Really? Yeah, no. But yeah, so with Scott, it's... Ratchet is not the right word to use, but his promos, he just is like laughing the whole time. You know, he doesn't seem to be taking it seriously, and that's what bothers me about it is it seems like it's a joke to him. And that's not... I'm not trying to be mean or talk smack about it. It just... If I had to pick someone who I was like, you're really, you're the reason why it's hard to take this seriously. It's him because it's like, you're laughing in your promos and I don't think you mean to be. I don't think you were really ever meant to be in front of a camera as much as you are. Mm -hmm. Or maybe you used to be good back in the day. I don't know what he used to do. Each and every single time I watch anything from Impact, I love it because I don't take it seriously. Now, with that being said, if you all want to start going blow for blow when fans come back... Let me know. I'd love to start booking for you. And please let me get on commentary. The women's division in, in Impact is the best women's division. They do have one of the best women's divisions. I mean, to be real with you, a lot of the WWE's women's division is out right now. And you have select talent in NXT, but they need a little bit more depth. How here. often do you feel like the match of the night is a women's match, though? In TNA? In any, any faction. Because in this particular thing... Sue Young and Virtuoso was absolutely the match of the night by well, leaps and bounds. Well, same thing with Bound for Glory. Their match was no, actually, Bound for Glory it was a tie between them and the Moose EC3 mm -hmm. match for me because that both of those great. matches were it great. It was great, and honestly, I liked him again this week. So maybe I'm uh, becoming a little bit of a Moose guy. I'm a Moose guy. I just think I he, love Willie Mac, dude. I love Willie Mac too, and that again, just like Jake the Snake, he is that that just driving him that i just can't look away from you know he gets pushed down and he gets back up and he's he's he never does, gonna keep him down and he's one of those big guys who does things that you wouldn't expect him mm -hmm. to do and i have respect for that and i think with moose moose has all the talent in the world as far as a wrestler goes you need to treat him by if ec3 comes back put moose and him in a faction that would be phenomenal let ec3 do all the promos for him because ec3 he's a total package type deal but from what I understand, he's rolling in Ring of Honor right now. He, His impact stint was just kind of a one-off type mm -hmm. deal. Well, like a two or three off. Well, to be real, though, the one more thing I want to say about this is Good Brothers are continually delivering with the North. Every match they have is a banger. So the North are one of the best tag teams in the game, and the Good Brothers are They're honestly great. They're having so much fun. That's what they wanted to do. Like I've been listening to their like podcasts and stuff, the Talking Shop of Mania and all of that. When they left WWE, they were defeated. They forgot why they liked wrestling and everything. So then, now with them in Impact, though, they're able to kind of go ahead and live their best life. And it's a beautiful thing to see this tag team, you know, going out there, being the people they want to be. And you can tell that they're happy. And they're wrestling good matches. And that's even better, you know? Yeah. It's a win-win for everyone involved. But I was, I was all in on Impact. So we're also going to briefly talk about SmackDown being written on the fly this week. Um, if you didn't know, yeah, it was just kind of a shit show, especially with the Chelsea Green getting injured in that fatal four-way for the, the SmackDown Survivor Series women's team. That poor girl, dude. It's her debut, and, you know, injury right off the bat. Gotta love that. Golly, man. 
Uh, but even more WWE stuff, if you didn't hear, which if you don't follow wrestling news, that's probably the only way you haven't heard. Zelina Vega was released on Friday night at like 10.46 p.m. What's she look better in, AEW or Impact? Well, she's already wrestled in Impact, if you didn't know. So she's already been in Impact, and I mean, it would make sense for her. She probably still has those connections, but AEW would be stupid if they didn't snatch her up. With them having the arguably the worst women's division, it's not anything to front on. I'm not trying to take a stab at Impact, but I do not enjoy a lot of the women's wrestling. Not to say that there's not people that I enjoy watching in AEW, but for the most part, they need way more depth in AEW. Mm-hmm. They really rely on, on other promotions' women to carry those, like Thunder Rosa, Serena Deeb. Even though, from what I understand, Serena Deeb is in signed by AEW, but she's working with NWA as well. Then you have uh, Allison K. Well, it seems like the other factions seem to have at least one or two people in the women's division that are really running shit that are almost doing it as well as the men are, and I don't feel like AEW's got that at all. Exactly. and so It's a a five-man show for them. They've got real uh, five real, real stars over there. And then they're bringing them just to give themselves depth, Like, but you can only rely on other people's talent for so long. Mm -hmm. And that's not a stab at AEW. That's just me being hopeful that they get that taken care of. Uh, So, yeah, Zelina Vega to AEW would be a great choice. And hopefully that means we see Aleister Black in AEW. Because you gotta imagine he's gonna take the raw end of the stick from this. Well, I feel like they like him over there, though. I don't feel like they're gonna do that to him. I don't feel like they do. They really haven't pushed him the way he deserves since NXT. That's fair. And he was also recently denied a bank trans- loan because he was dressed like the Human Torch. No, he was trying to go back to uh, NXT, but that was a good one. <laughs> you sent off that one over my head, but you know. You caught it after I said it. You were like, "Oh, Anchorman." No, I was like, I was going with you. You kind of said it slow, so I was like, I try to get a bank loan for the, what? And then you the, were like, because hum- it was the Human Torch. The Human Torch was denied a bank loan today. <laughs> you son of a bitch. Go out on this coked out Hulkamaniacs promo, because I know you're all kinds of hot and bothered about it. Okay, so I know you're going to skip the match, which is fine. Whoa, you're going to spoil it for me? They already know. You hate Hulk Hogan. It's not a joke. If they've ever listened to this podcast before, they know exactly where you're going. You have this disdain for Hulk Hogan and you can't allow him to be great even when he was younger. Here's the deal. It would be easy for you to say that if there was one Hulk Hogan match. But I deliberately was interested. Taylor spoke so highly of this paper. He's popping it. He gives a great, great speech. You're not wrong and that's why you're going to have plenty of time to talk about this, Taylor. You get him to talk about everything that kids need. They need prayer. I'm not they need sk- their vitamins. Taylor, I'm not skipping the promo. I'm skipping the match, baby. But you shouldn't be skipping the match either because this is the better of the two for him. So what, I'm going to skip the main event? Uh, no, you're not going to skip the main event. Exactly. Okay, so he distinguishedly picked out his whole crew as different people. So it would be like tugboats from the Navy and... You know what I mean? Like, he's got everybody Oh, the there. real Americans. Yeah, the real Americans are in town. You know what I mean? Like, that's how you do it. You got the cop. You got the fucking sailor. And he, you, you know, he... a hackshaw Jim Duggar with two by four. <laughs> which, whatever his gimmick was, I think he was just the most coked out. <coughs> I don't think he was coked out as much as I feel like he was on acid. Yeah, he was fucked up. Yeah, he, he Honestly, was... Honestly, though, if you didn't see Big Boss Man's eyes, he was on fire. Like, he was just like... 
She teeth chattering. He did drugs for the first time that night. Mm-hmm. That was he's like he I've had, been a corrections officer my whole life. Now ever, I understand. You ever smoked and been like violently high off a of weed where you're like in the corner of the room just like <sighs> like you have to stop and realize how to breathe again. He did that, but with coke. <laughs> and that's why you know I'm so hit or miss on you, big boss man. But yeah, there was also other people where I'm like hit or miss on. Because of Big Boss Man and what we talked about in the past. But I want... Hey, man. I could have just skipped both Hulk Hogan's matches. And with how passionate you are about him. I honestly felt like the, the pop in this was just so incredible to watch, though. I did see like, it. And- this is the beginning of a superstar and a, a sports entertainer. This is the beginning of a modern-day WWE. No, you're. He knows how to work the crowd better than anybody did back then. And I'm not denying that whatsoever. But there's, we gotta skip a match, and but I wanted to give everyone a chance. Listen, the only people that were getting pop like him was Ultimate Warrior, and Ultimate Warrior wasn't doing anything to get the pop. Yeah, he was just popping. The Hulk was working, like he came out to the ring, pointing, doing shit, moving, dancing, jiving, talking to the crowd, talking to kids, kissing babies. He was fucking doing it all, dude. Do you admire him? No, but the thing is, like, (laughs) I don't admire the man he became. But at this point right here, he was every kid's superhero. There's a reason why he makes a bunch of cameos and a bunch of movies where he just plays random fucking heroes. Trust me. It's not like I want to hate Hulk Hogan. By every ounce of it, I want to like him. But when you take all things considered and then you look at it without those rose-tinted glasses, when you're not like, hey, Hulk Hogan is an idol. Like, you treat him the way he was treated back I then. I wish that the whole TNA era of Hulk Hogan just could just be deleted. And I wish that the racism could be deleted. Because the racism really hurts me a lot. And I, I, you, I'm sure, too. But That's what got than, it for me. More than the racism for me is the way he acts when he gets older. He becomes this entitled dick that won't put anybody over and just feels like he just needs to walk around with fucking no shirt on. Dude, you're 60 years old. You're a fucking grown-up. He doesn't get it's the It's the business. end of your fucking career. Put somebody the fuck over. It, he feels that you should always protect the big names, and it's like, no. No, dude. You're not a big name anymore. You always, you're out. You keep coming back in, but you're fucking out. You always put someone over on the way out, and that's what he never got through his head. He wanted to run the business how he wanted, how he felt it should be run, and that doesn't work for everyone. That just works for Hulk Hogan. And we could sit here and talk about how much I hate Hulk Hogan all day, and trust me, for everyone who's like, why this guy has the balls to say he hates Hulk Hogan, I don't hate Hulk Hogan up until three up until I truly understood the person he is that's when I started to like go maybe he's not a great person but I've heard really good nice guy stories about him as oh, well me as too. like especially living where I live I mean I can't tell you how many people I know who have met Hulk Hogan on numerous occasions he just walks down the street 30 minutes from me like that's the thing you go to a Publix down the road you run into Hulk Hogan that's a so you meet all these people who are like, oh yeah, I know Terry. He's such a good guy. Where we live and everything, he's Terry to some people. You don't even have he's Hulk Hogan. But yet. the thing is, he introduces himself as Terry. Yeah, which makes him a regular guy. And so maybe, maybe through those rose-colored lenses, when he steps into arena, he becomes a different guy. But I don't know. I don't know. 
It's a confliction, but man, I know this isn't going to be the... How many of our grandparents or grandparents' friends or father's friends or mother's friends are racist, though? You're not wrong. You're not wrong one bit, but, you know, they're not professional wrestlers. We can talk about them, not on the air. But yeah, so we're going to go ahead and skip this match. I would give you three reasons, but honestly, the only reason I have is I had to pick one, and there's two Hulk Hogan matches on the card, and I wanted to give all these people their fair shot. And that's what we did. Speaking of that, though, Macho Man, I don't think, did get a fair shot on this. He should have been a damn match. But instead, he was having one of his classic coked-out promos with Jameen Gene. Was he not? I don't think he was scheduled for a match, though. Like, I don't think he was. I think he was, like, taking a break. Yeah. But, you know, he did talk that good shit. And <laughs> that was a very tense promo. I've never seen Mean Gene and him were just going at it. It was very, very tense. All of Macho Man's promos are tense, though. They but, make me uncomfortable every time. But it's usually In because the best he's like doing running off on tangents. He was literally aiming every shot at Gene. Like he was just like, you know what, Gene? I don't like how you're talking to me. And it's just like, and at some points, I felt like he was like he was planning what he was saying as he was going. Like there was no plan to it. He was just like, I, King Macho, am the best. And it's just like, dude, who are you, William Shatner? Why are you talking like that? Maybe us. <laughs> His veins were so popped out in his neck. Man. I could have seen that vein bust open on fucking live TV and I would have not been surprised. So, we're going to talk about this match. I don't want to talk long about it, but we're going to talk about it. In hindsight, I picked to skip the match before watching the entire card. Because, like I said, I wanted to get everyone a fair shot. But going back, I probably would have rather watched that Hulk Hogan match than this alliance versus the mercenaries match so one thing we have not discussed in this whole pay-per-view is how troop friendly it is it is a it is a pay-per-view for the troops they make several mentions to the troops yeah there's at least five before this moment where they're saying how appreciative they are of the troops and how people have went over there and done tours with the troops just to visit them and show and do wrestling matches for them and it's really really cool but this is a crazy crazy idea for a heel this is a real example of let's see how much heat we can give someone yeah this was uncomfortable heat like he did not wait around to leave that building yep he probably got in a car as and soon especially as that match was like over. who planned for him to be the guy so if you don't know this is a promo in which Sergeant Slaughter disrespects the American troops very badly and comes out and pledges his loyalty to Saddam Hussein. Unbelievably written for someone who was considered to be a great troop supporter through most of his career. Yeah, it, and then just like we were talking about with the Ted DiBiase stuff, this definitely didn't age well. Not one bit. And I don't know why this is making a return because it should have never left in the first place, Taylor. But I 100% nominate this gimmick for the bad gimmick wrestler of the week. It's absolutely a bad gimmick. Absolutely. So, yeah, hats off to you, Slaughter. Uh, you definitely won the cake and you brought back my favorite gimmick for us. Not your gimmick, the bad gimmick wrestler of the week. So, yeah, this match was full of people in not the greatest shape. You know how we're talking about there's... The first match, it was just people who were actually athletes. Not this match. Not one bit. Everyone looked like they were in shit shape. So he had a bunch of weird dudes with him. 
But the other side was full of like Russian dudes, right? This match was rough. Nikolai Volkov was buff. And besides the main event, which obviously when you have a bunch of people who have wrestled a match already, you don't want to have them wrestle a 15, 20-minute banger. This was the shortest full match on the card, if that makes sense. Honestly, though, what better way to put him out of his misery than quickly and very deviously? Yeah, no. And I'm just so glad we got him off the screen. This match, though, basically Slaughter's team got eliminated in seconds. And so you have Slaughter trying to fight everyone off. He gets an elimination or two. And it comes down, he gets to Tito Santana, and him and Santana are going at it. Santana also got yeeted in the ref, which sets us up for our finish. Uh, also, what the what the fuck did the ref do to deserve all the heat? <laughs> he kept on getting people thrown at him like he was, he didn't, like he was an asshole. And, you know, that ref looked like he had a lot of hope in his eyes. I don't like it, man. Uh, but anyway, so General Don comes into the ring and assaults Tito Santana with his flagpole. Because the ref got yeeted, they think he's oblivious. Well, nope. The bell rings after a little count, and Sergeant Slaughter thinks he has the win. Been bamboozled. The ref called a DQ because Adon assaulted my man. Man, assault with a flag. It was crazy. (laughs) After this, we have the Visionaries and Co. So there are other members that they've acquired through the Survivor's Gauntlet. Uh, Cut a promo. Tell me about this one, Taylor. Okay. So we have this mysterious egg. No, before that. Oh, okay. You go first. I don't remember this promo. <laughs> it was just the visionaries talking shit. Ted DiBiase is like, yeah, my boys are going to run it. And they did have a lot of people. All thoughts would think that they would have run it. Yep. And uh, instead, we get to where it is. You know, three on five, though. But first, we get to talk about Taylor's mysterious egg. So... This mysterious egg. Did you think a dinosaur was going to come out of it? No, I thought the gobbledygooker was going to come out of it. Oh, you dick. You (laughs) dick. You ruined the surprise. While we're on the subject, what a very fit bird. He can do flips. He can do rope work. Shout shout outs to Hector Guerrero. Hector Guerrero forever. And he even gets Mean Gene to do some fucking dancing. There was like five minutes of their dancing. Like, I thought it was funny for like 10 seconds. Oh, it was funny the whole time. No. You just don't know comedy. We got... (laughs) Okay. Mean Gene dancing is always funny. It is the funniest thing in the world. It's funny at first, but then at a point it becomes sad. Dude, just let the gobbledygooker be the gobbledygooker. Who's that, Mark Henry? I think so. Or Shaq. Just, just let him be the, let him be the man, you know. And I don't have any problem with this. Why can't things be fun anymore? Everybody's just got to be all the fun police. Like, let's come up here and say that this is lame. That there's a fucking turkey running around. Fuck that. This is Thanksgiving. Let the fucking bird run. They do all kinds of horse shit in football. They give fucking trophies with fucking birds and shit on him away this is dumb why does everybody hate the gobbledygooker so much you're so passionate about dude he's great and he's funny why can't we just have fun things that are traditions that people enjoy i'm not saying we can i'm just saying like hey this one isn't for me well people poop on it all the time like i read a story earlier this week when i was doing some research on this and people were talking about it being the worst gimmick of all time like this is a fucking thanksgiving day pay-per-view Eat shit. Let us have fucking fun. You know what I mean? Like, come on, dude. He did a backflip, and he danced with Mean Gene. What more do you want from a turkey? You're going to eat one. Why can't you just enjoy it? You even heard the crowd boo when he got revealed. He got booed so hard. 
It's fun. <laughs> Just have fun. It's 1990. What else are you looking at? The Hulkster on Coke when he brings out his broke-ass three-man team. Talk about this one. Okay, so I want you to run down the card of everybody that's left. So we have Tito Santana, Ultimate Warrior, and Hulk Hogan on the other team. And then with the other team, we have the entire team of the Visionaries. And then we have Ted DiBiase. Except for Rick Martel, right? No, Rick Martel was He's there. in it too? Yeah, okay. he came out with them. All right. And so, tell, yeah, tell it, me what pisses you off about this. Okay, this was job punch of death. Warlord gets jobbed out in 20 seconds after being undefeatable in the other match. Like, it took four guys to beat Warlord in the first match. And then Hulk Hogan does his job punch of death and gets him out in 30 seconds. And that was the thing. And then Tito Santana did a good amount of the work, but it's, you know, Hulk Hogan does this little job punch. Tito Santana gets the pin real quick. And then you pin Tito Santana like 20 seconds later. This match was not set to be like the rest of the matches. But to be honest, though, I'm sure they're all tired. You know Ultimate Warrior can't wrestle another match. And he he looked real rough in this one. He had his spot, and that was about it. Hulk did most of the work. And that's where my confliction comes in is because Hulk did do the majority of the work in this and match. And every one of those guys are heels. So if you're writing a storybook... And right now, keep in mind that Hulk has never been the dickhead that he is later on in his life, and he's never had the racism allegations. Yeah, no. So at this point, you're writing a storybook ending, and you have the Hulk, and you have a bunch of heels. How do you end it? You don't end it by the Hulk losing to the bad guy. It makes complete sense, and I'm not and here to... I know that you think it's cheesy, but in 1990, I bet this wasn't that cheesy. I'm not denying that. I'm just saying, like, we're going, I'm going to be honest of it now. Now, are we going to give both sides of it and look at the perspective of the people in the 90s? Hell yeah, but am I also going to give my perspective of, I'm not going to treat this glass with rose-tinted glasses the whole way. I'm going to be critical of it as a wrestling match. Well, this is a dog shit match. Fair enough. But the first match he wrestled wasn't a dog shit match. And that's what upset me about it is because I went into this going, oh man, I'm going to watch eight, nine tag team matches and eight people at a time, like... This is just going to feel like a normal episode of Monday Night Raw. But I didn't feel like that because every one of the endings were so expertly written. Exactly. And that's when you get to this match. Every match before this was an exposition and everyone looked great. In this match, you had a team that should have won no questions asked. But then you have Hulk who, you know, is the hero and he overcomes and he runs the majority of the match. Now, I will say when watching him, though, you understand why. Because he has a very easygoing style he just kind of keeps it moving he doesn't do anything that goes wow until the big finish you know he lets that he lets his opponent get him in an uncomfortable spot like a july 4th firework pop 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 big finish no pop 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 just stop and then you see you know your neighbor across the street doing even crazier fireworks and then you think, wow, he's got a better fireworks show. And then that other neighbor that you were watching Who's first. Who's the crazy neighbor in this instance? Macho Man? Uh, not Macho Man. I mean Ultimate Warrior? No, I'm just saying you brought the fireworks. So I'm saying, you know, he'll always let... He'll look great a good chunk of the match. Then he'll let his opponent make it look like he's going to win and get one over Hulk. And then Hulk does his rev up thing. And he's like, nope. And he has the classic comeback. And then that's where he gets his big pop. But it wasn't as cheesy as it usually is in this one. Because you had Warrior feeding off that same energy, so you didn't know who to loathe more. Like later on, when he does the, 
I call it the double jack off of death. Yeah. Where he starts shaking both of his fists in the air and like a shake weight, like a bukkake. Okay. Um, I don't. Um, I don't hate it as much in this one as I do later on, because later on, we're later on in wrestling and people are are past horseshit gimmicks. Yeah. And it's horseshit. But to be honest, you could really say that about any of the early stuff of anything. Everything has to start somewhere. And he is an absolute landmark in this. For what wrestling will become. And so when we're talking about it in that respect, I do always respect what he did for the business. He was the first big face of the company. You know, when WWE became that big enterprise. And he could do it all. He was the man. He could do it all. He could wrestle. He could do the mic. He could do the promo work outside the ring, outside the matches. He could meet with the fans. He is lovable in every aspect. He's sellable to the max. Whether it be in action figures, movies, TV shows. It doesn't fucking matter. Because he is the perfect hero. At, at this time period. Yeah, because... He is everything. From the shirt rip. It He is the perfect hero. Even in that early promo... He's playing around with the word dude a whole bunch. Oh, yeah. Like, he's just like, listen here, dudes, little dudes. You, Dude, you don't have to sit here and convince me because at the end of the day, when I look back at it, I'm like, hell yeah. I appreciate what the Hulk did up until a couple of years ago. Right. I right. always loved the Hulk. But when I went that extra, it's, you know, it's like when you find out, it's when you find out something that you don't want to know. I always use this phrase, growing up means seeing your heroes turn human in front of you. And that's exactly what happened with Hulk Hogan. Because I was always raised up in a Hulk-loving household. And after a while, wasn't the way. So now it's one of those situations where I hate watching this stuff sometimes because I want to be... I want to enjoy it for what it is, but it's hard to. And that's another part of why it's hard going back and watching older wrestling. But yeah, that's really all I have. You know, uh, Hogan... Worked the entire match and then at the ass end tagged in Warrior to get a three count on Hercules because Hercules with the tights and stuff. Or Hercules with the ass rafts. The cheeks. Hercule cheeks. People hate me because I only talk about wrestlers' asses. Can we call them Hercule cheeks from now on? But yeah, somehow Hercules ends up being the last person in the match. Uh, well, you know, Hercule cheeks is God. <laughs> you know, Hercule cheeks is God, but he took one. But of course, Warrior went over, which that surprised me that Hogan let Warrior go over and not him. But I think they both went over in that match, so who who can really blame one or Yeah, them? they both won. Other than that, I really don't have much about this. This was I enjoyed this pay-per-view a lot more than I thought I was going to. So you've spent the whole week shitting all over old school wrestling. I know I have not. You spent I all week I've been excited about it, telling you how great this is, and you go, This is gonna eat shit. This is going to suck ass. And you just chat all over it all week. Are you ready to walk back that 90s wrestling is not that bad? It's not that bad. What I Like I said earlier in the podcast, I'm very hit or miss with it because of all the bad gimmicks. But when you find solid cards, and they're not... Trust me, you're not going to go through every card and go, oh man, this is a banger. Oh man, this is a banger. Because fun fact... We were talking about this special thing we're doing on Thanksgiving. We were originally going to watch the Survivor Series preview from 1990 for this Survivor Series. 
And I couldn't be more happy that we couldn't find it on the network. And I'm sure there's a reason you can't find it on that network because the card was shit. It just did not look like a good time. And instead, we did 1992, which that card was great. This card had its high spots, but there were times where I was like, oh, man, I'm not enjoying this. But I'm allowed to, but I it's not like I'm going to sit. It's not like I'm going to shit on, you know, what brought us to where we are today. And I have nothing but respect, but I do think. That's all I want is you to make sure that you recognize that there are building blocks to everything. And this is a major building block. Oh, yeah. I mean, we went. This pay per view in particular is a major building block. I've seen that Gobby Googer debut like a hundred times on just normal TV with WWE. So. And you hate it every time. It's not. It's not for me. But it, you, you like, enjoyed it, and that's what matters. You don't Taylor. like me and Gene dancing. I liked it for the t- first ten seconds. I told He's you got that. the moves like Jagger. It came to a point where it's just uncomfortable to watch. It was uncomfortable for me and Gene too. That's yeah. the whole funny part. You realize he, they didn't tell him that he was doing that? I don't know how the fuck you got us back to talking about this. <laughs> so that they didn't tell him. Like, this is a thing that literally happened three minutes before. Like, they, they, he knew that it was going to be a turkey. But they didn't tell him that the turkey was going to coax him into the ring and make him dance. All right. Well, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and call it. That's pretty much it. Thanks for coming and hanging out with us for another episode of Jaded Wrestling. If you haven't already, go like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Jaded Wrestling. You can follow our personal Twitters at Godfear and at TaylorHassler1. And make sure you tell your friends, your mom, and he'll even tell your dog. And your cat. Yeah. And your octopus. I'm pretty sure on Apple Music you can rate and leave a review. So it would be super cool if you could do that. Or follow us on Spotify. Keep an eye out for new mini episodes on Wednesdays. And new full episodes on Fridays. Next week we'll be watching Survivor Series 2001. To keep it going for Thanksgiving. Until next time. We'll see you on Wednesday brother. Stay jaded. Thanks little dudes.